Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Good morning again, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. It's an honor to have you with us today. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Rhett, and I have the honor, and it is really the honor of my life, to get to be the lead pastor here at One Life Church. So we are starting a new series today. As you can tell, it's called Asking for a Friend. But before we jump into that, could you do me a favor? Everyone here at the Nepic Civic Center, throw your hands together and welcome our online church family right now. Come on, let them know how much you love them. Yeah, I love technology. It's so amazing how we can reach the world. In fact, uh, we have some family and friends who are actually uh, watching from Alaska last service. So I just say we have an Alaska campus, everybody. So if you're in Alaska, you know, uh, find the Graber family and they are meeting together in their cabin there watching. Uh, But anyway, wherever you're joining us, we love you so much. We're glad that you are along for the ride today. Uh, You are in for a treat. Uh, But before we jump into the message, I want to remind you of a couple things, everybody. Everybody say small groups. Small groups are groups that are small that create an opportunity for life change, everybody. Groups aren't something we do. Groups are who we are as a church. And I want to encourage you, if you are doing life alone, it is time to take a step and to stop doing that. Life is lived better together with God's people. Notice I didn't say with perfect people, like we're all on this journey together. But small groups create an opportunity, my friends, for you to experience community and to be able to walk this thing out called Christianity, to be able to walk your faith out with life giving friends. And the word of God teaches us, and you've heard me preach message after message about the power of small groups, and you're going to hear it over and over and over again. Why? Because it is who we are, and it is the key to pastoral care here at One Life Church. My friends, if small groups have made a difference in your life, can I hear a good amen in the room, everybody? Okay. And so I want to encourage you, it's not too late. Go to olc.church, click on the button that says small groups or looks like that picture right there. You will see an online directory. I believe there's about 20 opportunities right now you can jump into and uh, we're having a lot of fun with that. Second thing I want to remind you of is right now happening during this service is our discover plan, our discover process. Today is step one that we call vision. So if you're coming in, you're like, man, I would have loved to have been a part of that. No worries. Vision takes place on the first and third Sunday of every month, and it's going to be cyclical. I hope I said that right. So basically, it's going to be every month on the first and third Sunday is step one. It's vision. What is vision? It's an opportunity for you to hear the vision of One Life Church, to see whether or not you would like to call One Life Church home. And we believe with all of our heart that the beginning of your purpose begins with getting planted in a local life-giving church. There are incredible churches all across this valley, and we are our arms are wide open for you. But if this is not a good fit, we want to even help you find a church home that you can connect with in the season of life that you're in. So vision is a lot of fun. It happens at 11 a.m. And so if you're thinking, okay, I want to make that time slot. Well, next Sunday is actually step two of our process. So it's two steps. Step one is all about hearing the vision. Step two is all about running with the vision and running with purpose. And so we want to help you discover your purpose. We want to help you simply take a small next step to understanding why you're on this 
planet. Why is that important? Because my friends, the greatest day that you were born, the two great days in your life, number one, the day that you were born is awesome. Thank God for that. But the second greatest day is the day you discover why you were born. And there is something about understanding that. And we want to help you discover that. And so next Sunday is purpose. And so you don't have to do them like one, two. I know some people are like, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do step one. And then I'm going to do step two. That's great. I love you for it. But you don't have to do it that way. You can do step two, step one, whatever your preference is. And step, the step two really is honestly a chance. If you've ever wanted to know what it looks like to get connected to a team here at One Life Church to make a difference with your life with what I believe is the greatest dream team on the planet, where you at dream team? Come on. Right? This would be the class for you. And we're very, very excited about that. All right, we are a message note-taking church. Simply means we love to take notes here at One Life because my goal and my desire is that you learn something from God's word that you can apply in your life, not just come to church and to hear, but to come to church to hear, to receive, to hide it in your heart so that you can live this thing out Monday through Saturday. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're not a note taker, can I encourage you to do something you've never done before? Can I encourage you to go to olc.church on your smartphone or dumb phone, swipe down, click the message notes button and follow along. If you're joining us online today, you will see those sermon notes are available for you as well online. And what's cool about our notes is you can send it as a PDF. You can email it to somebody, you know, because you're thinking about that right now. This message today isn't for me. It's for that other person that didn't show up. You can email it to them. It's really cool. Do it in a loving, life-giving way though, okay? So... All right, so this series is designed all around some questions that we asked you at Easter. Now, we asked specifically at Easter because what's amazing about Easter Sunday is that all of you, 340 of you, decide to show up on Easter Sunday at the same time. And so because we wanted to take advantage of that, we asked you some questions. And so the connection card that's in your worship guide today looked a little bit different. It was called a response card. On the back of that card at Easter, there was several spaces where you're like, I'd like to hear a message about this. Or maybe you could like even fill in the blank and say, I really want to know what God's word says about this. And what we did was we took the top questions that you are asking as a church and we put them in this series called Asking for a Friend to answer those questions. Why? Because I honestly believe that the best way that I can help you, help your family, is to answer questions you're asking. So I'm gonna start with one of the hardest ones, I believe. I'm getting it out of the way because this is gonna be a tough message, all right? Because many of you have asked the question, Pastor Rhett, what does the Bible say about dealing with difficult people? And let's be real for a second. How many of y'all have difficult people in your life? Raise your hand. Come on. I see somebody elbowing the person next to you. Please don't do that, okay? If you didn't raise your hand, God bless you. You might very well be the difficult person in the family. I'm just saying we love you and we are glad that you're here. We all got issues, okay? And if you don't think you got one, guess what? That is your issue, all right? So today's a tough message because, listen, we all have that person in our life whether it's our spouse, our coworker, our boss, our neighbor with their yappy dog, whatever it might be, we all have times and situations where we are faced with dealing with difficult people. Now, here's what we tend to do. Most of us come up with our own solutions trying to handle the difficult people in our lives. And when we do, we actually make it worse. We think we're gonna make it better, but we end up going, what in the world? It's just this unending cycle of dealing with this and it never goes away. And thus, the reason you said, hey, Pastor Red, I'm asking for a friend. What do I do with difficult people in my life? So today, we're gonna study one verse. comes out of James chapter four, verse one through two. Small verse but uh, it packs a really big punch. And so let's look at this. James says, what causes these fights, man? What causes these quarrels among you? 
Like, why you got all these problems? Man, what's going on? And some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Rhett, come on, James. That's the easiest question the Bible has ever asked me. The problem isn't me. The problem is her or him. Come on, don't shout me down this morning. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are like, James, I get it, man. You don't know my, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know my coworker. You don't know my boss. Because if you did, you would like say, hey, they're the issue. They're the problem. They're the challenge. Like if they would change, my life would be so much better. And honestly, can I be real? Like if we sat down over coffee and you took time to go, Pastor Red, I just want to just kind of go into a situation in my life and you would share maybe about him or her or who or what. I'd be like, you know what? You're absolutely right. That must be a difficult situation and a difficult time to deal with. So what's the solution? Well, James gives us the solution in the next verse. But I want you to understand this is where it gets hard. This is where it gets difficult. So I don't want you to be mad at me today as your pastor and as your friend. If you're upset, please be upset with God. He wrote the book, okay? And so how do we deal with difficult people? Well, according to God's word, he says, guys, don't all these fights and quarrels, look at this, come from your desires that actually battle within you and me? In other words, what is James saying? He's saying, guys, listen, the secret to dealing with difficult people isn't really dealing with them. The secret It's dealing with you and me. That's a secret. And this is why this is so hard. Why? Because none of us want to hear this. None of us want to hear this. No, he goes on to say, here's the real issue. Guys, you want something, but you don't get it. In other words, he's saying, hey, guys, you've got a lot of unmet, unrealistic expectations in your life. And I'm telling you today, 99.9% of all your anger, all your frustration is the fact that somebody isn't meeting your expectations. So you're mad at your spouse. Well, because she don't treat me with honor and respect, man. She doesn't love me, so I'm mad at her. You're mad at your boss. Man, I've been working this job for three years and still hadn't seen a raise. I'm mad. Why? Because you got an expectant. you got this expectation that you should be deserved to be paid better. And a lot of you men, come on, I know who you are. I see you driving in traffic. A lot of you are mad in traffic. Why? Because you think you deserve a highway free of cars. And I am among you, man, I promise, okay? <laughs> All these unmet expectations and it leads to frustration and anger. In other words, the reason a lot of us are so mad is because there's really something going on inside of us if we were being 100% honest and truthful. So what do we do? Well, James goes on to say, the word of God says, now you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. So what do you do? You quarrel, you fight, you bow up, you yell, you scream, or you give each other the silent treatment. And you think, you think it's actually making things better, but it's not. It's actually making things a lot worse. He goes on to say, guys, you don't have, like you're angry, you're mad, you're frustrated. You don't have what you want. You're dealing with all these difficult people and they're influencing your life and having the power over you. Why? Because you do not ask God. You don't involve God in the process. You're going to say, God, come on, man, help me out. So here's the big idea of the entire day is that when it comes to dealing with difficult people, check this out. Guys, all of us, including myself, we keep trying to change others. But all the while, God simply wants to change us. That's some good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Rhett. Sure is quiet in here this morning. <laughs> I encourage you, instead of trying to change them, allow God to start changing you. 
While we're all saying, God, I just can't stand these Republicans. I mean, I wish these Democrats would line up. I mean, instead of my boss being so crazy at work, instead of blaming your coworkers and your neighbors and your aunt and uncle and all the people in your life, instead of blaming them, say, God, do something with them. Why not say, God, you know, God, do something in me. Because the real pathway to you experiencing peace, the real pathway to you experiencing fulfillment, the real pathway for you experiencing joy, the real pathway for you to experience freedom isn't dependent on God changing them, everybody. It's dependent on God changing you and me. So today what I want to try to do is I simply want to give you five things. According to God's word, not according to Rhett, but according to God's word that I can only encourage you to try. And if you'll try it, I promise you this, there is blessing on the other side. There is benefits from God Almighty in your life. And one of those benefits is peace, despite the difficult people in your life. Now, this is going to be tough, okay? Some of y'all said, Pastor Rep, man, I just wish you would take it deep. Y'all ready? We're going deep today. We're going to the deep end of the pool. Let's start with number one. I want to encourage you to do this. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. Guys, God is calling us to overlook the offense from the difficult people. God is calling us to overlook the offense from difficult people. Come on, Pastorette, really? This is why I woke up this morning to come and to hear this? Come on, really? Yeah, I know this goes against everything culture and even your flesh and just your humanity, right? It goes against everything culture in the world is telling you to do. Guys, America is trending in the opposite direction of this, is it not? Guys, we cannot agree to disagree anymore without hating each other. It's like we can't even stand you. Like, I don't like your viewpoint. In fact, I can't stand your viewpoint. And since you have that viewpoint, I can't stand you. I hate you. And so what do we do? We end up blowing up. We get so annoyed. We let everybody know. We take to social media, online, in our family, in our coworkers, in our work. And things get crazy. And the Bible speaks to this. Proverbs 12, 6. Look at this. When a fool is annoyed... He quickly lets it be known. Man, you stink up the whole room in person and online when a fool is annoyed. And you think you're helping the situation, but you're not, man. You're making it worse. But God comes along and says there's a better way. There's a wise way. Look, wise people, those who learn to deal with difficult people God's way, well, they, what do they do? They ignore, they ignore an insult, and what I really want you to see is this next verse, Proverbs 19:11. A man's wisdom, again, learning how to deal with some difficult people in your life, it gives them patience. It allows you to breathe in and to breathe out, despite the chaos of the difficult people that you're surrounded by. It gives you peace. In fact, I love this. It's not to that person's glory. It's not to the other person's benefit. I know many of us think that if we overlook the offense of somebody, we're putting them in the winning category. But God says, no, not in my system. No, it benefits you. It is to your glory, to your benefit, to your blessing. What? That you overlook an offense. Pastor Red, I mean, come on. This just seems absolutely impossible. Like, what is the secret? Well, there's a lot of secret sauces, but if there's one, I'm going to give it to you. It's Proverbs 10, 12. Look at this. Love. Everybody say love. The love of God through Christ Jesus living in you as a follower of Christ or a son and daughter through faith in Jesus. His love. It gives you this miraculous ability to do something you could not do on your own. What does it do? Love, God's love, overlooks the wrongs 
that others do. In other words, God's love gives you and I the ability, for one word, to experience empathy. Empathy. Empathy is a just fancy word of saying it gives you the grace to have an understanding that that difficult person is difficult for a reason. Empathy allows you to see things that maybe others can't see. In other words, you begin to realize that the reason that that person hurts so many people is because they're hurting themselves. Why? Because hurt people, they hurt people, don't they? They just do. And so let me say it this way. Love looks past the behavior and looks to the pain in their life. That's what love does. Empathy. Love says, hey, I know you cut me off in traffic today, and I know I want to give you the one finger of fellowship. Come on, y'all don't leave me alone up here. I see y'all driving. I know it's okay to laugh in church. Love comes along and says, you know, that's just not a jerk in traffic who cut you off. Love comes along and says, you know, that person who cut you off might be having the worst day of their life. Maybe they just lost their job, and they're about to have to file bankruptcy, and they got to go home and tell their family that they're going to have to move. Or love says, you know, that's just not a jerk in traffic. That's somebody who may have received even worse news that their loved one is on a deathbed and this moment might be the last moment that they can drive home and say goodbye and I love you for the last time. Now that may not always be the case, but empathy, that understanding, that perspective that love gives us, it helps us. It helps us. My friends, I just need you to understand today that everyone's fighting a battle that you and I know nothing about. So our response is love. It's, it's be kind. Love looks past the behavior. Love looks to the pain in their life. Just trying to help answer a question that you asked. What does the Bible say about how do we deal as Christians with difficult people. We overlook the offense, number one. Number two, write this down if you're taking notes. We're just going to go a little bit deeper today, okay? We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for them. And some of you are like, yeah, I'll pray for them, all right? Hemorrhoids in Jesus' name. Come on, man. Flies of a thousand camels fill their armpit in Jesus' name. Bees, bees, bees on these. Get him, son. You know what I'm saying? I'll pray for them, pastor. Come on, you know that's what you're thinking. I had a pastor tell me one time, he said, Red, what you need, I understand you're going through a difficult season. What you need is a verse. You need to find you a verse. He's like, all right, I'm going to find me a verse. Psalm 58, 6. Break the teeth of the wicked, O God. Smash their teeth to pieces in Jesus' name. God, that would make me feel really happy right about now. Would you do that? It's in your word. Thank you, God, for that. That's not what it's talking about, everybody. That's not what I'm talking about either. It's not the prayer I'm talking about. Jesus comes along and says this in Matthew 5, 43 through 44. Look at this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Time out. There was a Jewish law up at this point. It said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You give me a left hook, brother, I'm going to give you a right hook in Jesus' name and walk in God's blessing. You give me this, I'm going to give you that. And I'm like, some of you are like, man, I would have loved to have been born back then. That'd be fun. But this is not what Jesus comes along and says. He said, I know this is what you're thinking, but I tell you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, love your enemies, overlook their offenses, have empathy, and pray 
for those who bless you? No, you can do that. But no, he says, pray for those who, pray for those who persecute you. I need you to understand something today. God's not calling you to pray for others so that it benefits them. God's calling you and I to pray for others because of how it benefits you. I want to say it this way. My prayer and your prayer for others may not always change them, but it will always change you. And God is interested in the miracle of prayer coming alive on your life to help bring freedom and change you. One of the greatest examples I can try to give you is uh, my wife and I, we are not professional counselors by any means. We're pastors, so we're always going to always point couples to God's word and even to counseling. But a lot of times we'll get couples come in and they'll be like, man, I'm just so frustrated with him. I'm so frustrated with her. I mean, if she would just change, if he would just change, then our life would be better. And I get it. Stuff happens. This is life. And so what I tend to do, and if you've ever been in one of these with me, you know, I say, well, okay, let's pray. So I ask them to bow their head and close their eyes. And what they think is they think that I'm going to actually lead the prayer. And so what I do is, all right, head bowed. All right, husband, you pray for your wife. And just like you got silent, that's exactly what happens. They're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I'm not kidding you. I want you to pray for her. And it typically starts off like, oh, God, I can't stand this wicked woman. Lord, I can't believe she drugged me here. And uh, I'm just asking that you help, like, do, just do a work in her, God. And, uh, and then as they pray, I kid you not, this is what happens. And it tends to turn and go, you know, but Lord, I realize, I realize that I got some issues too, and I'm not a perfect husband, and I need some help, and the situation really isn't as bad as maybe we're making it out to be, but Lord, I just, I I need you because, you know, I got some things I need to work out too. So what happens? A miracle takes place through what? Through prayer. Guys, it's impossible to hate someone and pray for someone. When you pray for someone, I'm telling you, it's just impossible to hold on to the hate in your heart. It is the bitterness that brings destruction. How do we deal with difficult people? I know this is a tough message, but you asked for it. So you're asking for a friend. We overcome or we overlook their offenses. We pray for them. Let's go a little bit deeper. Number three, write this down. Now it's time for us just to forgive them. To forgive them. Pastor Rhett, come on. Are you serious right now? Like, I don't want to forgive them. Like, all the hurt, all the pain, all the trouble they've brought me and are currently bringing me right now, you want me to forgive that? That is not fair. And I'm gonna say, I understand, my friend. Listen, forgiveness isn't about doing what's fair. Can I tell you, there was nothing fair about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming in all of his glory, living a perfect life, paying for your sin and my sin, being slaughtered and murdered and kicked and spit on and harassed and died the most horrific death. Why? For you and my sin. There was nothing fair about that. You don't want fair. Fair means you and I pay for our own sins. So you don't want fair. Forgiveness isn't about being fair, but I also need you to know that forgiveness is not about minimizing the offense either. In other words, it's not, well, okay, I guess it was no big deal. No, it was a huge deal. It was a massive deal. No, it's not minimizing the offense. And I also need you to know that forgiveness, it isn't, it's not reconciliation. In other words, it's not like, well, if I forgive them, then I guess I got to do life with them and I can't stand them. They hurt me really bad. No, forgiveness isn't about saying, hey, once you forgive them, then all of a sudden you got to do life with them, be buddy, buddy or sister, sister with them. No, not at all. That's not forgiveness. 
Forgiveness just simply says, I'm no longer drinking the poison of this bitterness in my life, expecting this other person to die. I'm getting rid of it. I'm giving this bitterness. I'm giving this pain. I'm giving this burden to God, and I'm going to allow God to carry this, not me. Because that is, my friend, where freedom is found. Freedom is found when we learn how to forgive others. And by the way, Jesus never asks us to do something he wasn't willing to model himself. When Jesus was on the cross, nails going into his hands and his feet, he says this in Luke 23, 34. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Notice his perspective. All throughout the Bible, I could give you scripture after scripture, my friends, about walking in forgiveness. But look at this one, Colossians 3, 13. Guys, you must make allowances for each other's faults. You got to realize that all of us are dealing with our own points of pain and hurt, and wounds. Like we all have to make allowances for each other's faults and we need to forgive the person who offended you. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, this is hard. This is difficult. And I get it. It is hard. It is difficult. But for me, I'm not saying it makes it easier. But what makes it maybe just a little bit easier is the fact that when I remember, look at the rest of the verse, when I remember, remember the Lord forgave you. And since God's forgiven you of much, what does he ask of us? So we must forgive others. Why do we forgive? Well, my friends, it's because I need it so much. I need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. And I just want to say this. You're never going to feel like forgiving somebody. It's never going to line up in your emotions at all. No, you're going to retaliate. It's like that verse I read earlier. Break their teeth, God. Like, I want justice. They need to pay. That's what you're going to feel like. But if we walk into unforgiveness, again, we're, the only prisoner is us. Maybe you've heard it said like this, to forgive somebody is to set a prisoner free and to realize that that person you set free is you. Walking in forgiveness towards somebody else sets you free. Freedom, my friends, is found through Christ, but freedom is also found in forgiveness. It's found in forgiveness. That's why I believe this with all my heart. Guys, forgiving someone, it won't change the past. But it can definitely change my future. And this is the truth. Again, I know this is a hard message. I know this is challenging. It's one of these things that go against everything we want to hear. But you ask for it. You ask for a friend. How do I deal with difficult people? What does the Bible say about it? Will we overcome? Like we overlook the offenses. We got to learn how to pray for them. We got to learn how to forgive them. Well, number four... Now it's time to, oh man, bless them. Bless them. In other words, if you're an extra note taker, write these two words. You just want to speak well. Speak well. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 28 says this. Jesus says, but I tell you, One Life Church, those who hear me. In other words, hey, there are going to be some people who hear me but don't hear me. But those who are actually dialed in and listening today online or in the room. I'm telling you, those who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Like, speak well of people. And don't let a curse come out of your mouth. No. Bless. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Bless your boss. Bless your coworker. Bless your neighbor with that yappy dog. Bless your spouse. Bless. Speak well. First Peter says this, chapter 3, verse 9. Don't do wrong to repay a wrong. Do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a blessing. Well, Pastor Rhett, I don't want to. 
because they're a jerk. And I want the whole world to know that they're a jerk. And I get it. I understand, man. I, I get it. Totally get it. Like some of you are like, why in the world would I want to do this? You ready for this? It's not about them. It's about you. Here's the good news. Look at the rest of the verse. Because you yourselves were called to do this. Do this. Why? So that you might receive a blessing. Did y'all catch that? It has nothing to do with that other person. Walking and overcoming offense and praying for them and forgiving them and blessing them and speaking well of them. It benefits you. It benefits your life. It benefits your family. It benefits your finances. It benefits every area of your life when you begin to walk in God's way of blessing. God's basically saying, guys, if you bless them, I'll bless you. Like if you'll take the time to do something that's almost extremely difficult and impossible, I'll bless you. And men, here's my encouragement to you, men in this room today. I want to encourage you like, hey, let it start with us in our homes. Proverbs 18, 21, not on the screen, not in your notes. It says the power of life and death is in your tongue. In other words, the words that you speak have the power to create life or death or experiences. And it says those who love their mouth their tongue, they'll enjoy the fruit of it. In other words, if you enjoy life, then you'll enjoy the fruit of speaking blessing. If you enjoy death and curses and chaos and misery and destruction, well, you just keep speaking that because that's what you're going to get according to God's word. You can look that up later, Proverbs 18, 21. And so, man, I'm just saying, let it start with us. Call things that aren't as though they are. Speak blessing over your wife. Speak life over your wife. Speak life over your kids. I know they annoy you sometimes. I get it. Speak life. Like, man, I know that's what you did, but that is not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. You are a son or daughter of the living God. Speak blessing in your workplace. I know that boss is difficult to deal with. Speak blessing over them. Well, those Democrats, those Republicans, those politicians, I get it. We're all torn in this season right now of chaos between the division that exists Well, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, I get it. Like, there's so much divide right now. Stop speaking curses and start speaking blessing. Here's the the thought. It's a great thought, and I give you this. Guys, we create our world, our world, our life, our family. We create our world with what? Our words. It's in your control to align your life with God's word and to receive blessing when it comes to dealing with difficult people in in our lives. And all I'm trying to say today is I just want to encourage you to choose your words wisely. Think before you speak. Think before you speak. Here's the last one. I told you we're going to the deep end of the pool, and here it is, number five, do good to them. Do good to them. In other words, we all need to try to find something, somehow, some way that we can serve the difficult people in our lives. Let's look at Romans 12, 17 through 21. Paul says, guys, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on who? Them? No, on you and me. In other words, we have the opportunity to make the choice. Like, it's up to us. As far as it depends on us, what is God calling us to do? Well, to live at peace with everyone. Now, here's the thing. I realize that that is not always the case in some situations. Why? Because not everybody steps up to the plate to play ball in a marriage, in a family, or in a workplace. Like, I get it. But as far as it depends on you 
They may not come along for the ride, but as far as it depends on you, God's asking you to live at peace with everyone, even the difficult people. Goes on to say, guys, don't take revenge. I know you want to. It's the world we live in. No, don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for whose wrath? Not my wrath. No, God's wrath. God says, hey, guys, I got this. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. God says, hey, if you'll give it to me, I promise. If they don't shape up in this world, they're going to shape up in the next one. I've got this revenge and avenge is mine. I will repay it, says God. And all the justice people said, thank you, God. Right? I get it. But he goes on to say, on the contrary, on the contrary. If the mean people are being mean to you and hurting you, do something nice. Like if they're hungry, Brett Barden paraphrase, buy them some McDonald's french fries, everybody. Come on, feed them. Because y'all know you love some McDonald's french fries, baby. Best fries on the planet. Am I the only one that thinks that? Okay. (laughs) I love it. Oh, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, man, give them an ice cold Coca-Cola classic. Come on, you old folks. Remember those days? Yes. In a glass bottle. My granddad had a whole thing of glass bottles and everything. He said, don't throw that bottle away, Red. Why? Oh, we're going to take them back. I forget what they call it. Like return to the vendor where you get like 50, like five cent deposit or something. Come on, those who are older generation remember those days. Anyway, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, and here's where some of y'all are going to like, I love this verse. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals on their head. And some of you are like, yes, Lord Jesus, this is my verse. Burn them, Lord. Can you pour some hot coals on their head like right now, wherever they are? Because that sure would make me happy. And I just want you to know, when I used to read this verse, that's what I thought. But that's not what it's saying, everybody. <laughs> it's not what it's saying. Burning coals were one of the greatest commodities in their day. Why? Because they didn't have electricity, everybody. They had probably like a little fireplace-like stove, and they would make sure that those coals stayed hot and were always fanning the flame. Why? Because not only did it bring heat, it also brought life for them. Why? Because they could cook their meals on it. And whenever a burning coal would go out... Basically, they've lost the greatest commodity that brought life into their home. And so basically, they would have to go and go to their neighbor's house, and they would carry something on their head. And on that thing that they would carry on their head is typically where they would put the coals, and they would carry them. You've seen people walk with things in their head, right? Or carry like this. And so what is it saying? It's saying, hey, listen, when the most difficult people in your life when they're going through some things and they've lost the thing that sustains their life, then you give them something good. You give back to them the very thing that they need that brings them life. This is good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Rhett. Amen. 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 Guys, it says, do not overcome, or do not be overcome by evil. Look at the rest of the verse. But overcome evil with good. Well, Pastor Rhett, man, I love you, but this just seems too impossible, and I get it. You're right. It is impossible. It's impossible. Unless. Unless you and I have been on the receiving end. It is impossible. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 8. My friends, freely you have received. So what? Freely give. I would submit to you today that God, through his son, Jesus, has overlooked some offenses in your life and my life. 
I would submit to you today that through Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, he is praying for you and I today. I would submit to you today that God has forgiven us of much. I would submit to you today that God speaks very well of you. That's my son, man. That's my daughter. I would submit to you today that God has been very good to you through the love that he displayed for you through his son, Jesus, to allow you to come into a relationship with him so your sins would be forgiven and so that you and I could experience life and life abundance on this side of heaven, but eternal life on that side of heaven. This is what I would submit to you today. And because you and I have been on the receiving end of this goodness from our God, well, because we're on the receiving end, then don't you think that the byproduct should be that we should overlook their offense? That we should pray for them? That we should forgive them? That we should speak well of them? And that we should do good to them? And again, bringing you back to the big idea, the big idea of my friends and family in this room and online is that it may not change them, but it will always, it will always change you. God wants to change your life. And it begins with a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? Nobody looking around. I want to pray for you. God, I... I know how hard a message like this is to receive because all of us have different levels of difficulty and pain and some of it is just horrible. And when we hear this, it just, it's hard. It's hard to receive. And you understand that, you get that. One of the reasons you sent your son Jesus is so that you could experience all the hurt, all the pain, everything that we've gone through and are facing, the rejection, the abuse, the hurt, the words, the abandonment. God, you experienced it all. You wanted to be able to relate to us on a level that no other God was willing to do. You gave your life to come experience that, to pay a price, to cleanse us of our sin and our unrighteousness, to allow us to experience a miracle, to be able to live like no one else. And God, we understand today, my hope is that our hearts would be open to receive from your word and to hear your voice speak to us that God, we'll continue to pray for these people, but you're really more interested in us and the change that comes in our hearts. So God, we wanna surrender our life to you in these moments. Relinquish control, relinquish the unforgiveness, relinquish the bitterness to you so that we could then be allowed to experience the freedom that comes in our own life so that we would no longer drink the bitterness of poison, but that we would begin to drink from the water that is life, that is Jesus. So God, today, help us to overlook offenses. Help us to pray. Help us to forgive. Help us to speak well and help us to do good. And God, I'm just praying that you would help us to at least take maybe just a small step, a small step. Maybe we can't do all five, but maybe we just simply start with praying. And I ask that you would help us with that in the name of Jesus. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Some of you are here today and you're like, man, I feel distant from God. The distance is created, one word, sin. That's what sin does. Sin separates. And God has never wanted you to be separated from him. So he made a plan to bring you close. And that plan was Jesus. Jesus loves each and every one of you who are in this room and watching and joining us online. He loves you. He's not mad at you. 
Salvation or coming into a relationship with God is not about coming to church. It's not about doing good things. Salvation is all about one word, surrender. And God is just simply asking you to surrender your life to him. Why? Because he gave his life for you. And I promise you, you'll experience a miracle on the other side of this surrender. And that miracle, my friends, is the miracle of love, of life, of joy, of peace in the midst of the storm and the chaos that is the culture of difficult people and the difficult world we live in. And so if you're in this room or joining us online, you're like, Pastor Red, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to come into a relationship with God. I want to surrender my life. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of the, the, uh, of the distance between me and God. Today is the day. My friends, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But if you're in this room and you say, Pastor Red, I want to come back into a relationship with God or I want to give my heart to Christ for the first time. If that's you, would you be so bold all across this room to raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. Young man in the back. Greatest decision of your life. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Way to go. Put your hands down. My friends, it's not about words. It's about a heart that connects with God. Could I encourage every single one of us to say this prayer today? Say, God, thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. Today, I declare and Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe Jesus rose again to pay for my sin. Now pray this to Jesus. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. Give me the power to live this out. I want everybody to pray this. Say, help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to help me deal with the difficult people in my life. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, can we throw our hands together at the Net Pacific Center and show some love to those who made a decision to follow Jesus today? Great job, everybody.